0: Would you please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 7 this morning. Uh, We are continuing in our series in 2 Corinthians and as I mentioned last week, I hope what you're hearing through this series is how the Lord loves his people, that he strengthens us in our weakness and that he shepherds us, he is the good shepherd and he lays down his life for us. And he meets us in the great afflictions of our lives with a comfort that can only come from him. That's what we're going to be seeing this morning. Uh, Covenant children, as your parents permit, if you would draw a picture, a picture of a seed that is starting to sprout a seed that's cracking and and something's growing out of it and it doesn't look pretty because the seed doesn't necessarily look pretty and it looks almost painful for the seed but there's something that's growing in life. Would you draw that? And here's why I mention that because the Lord often uses our afflictions. He comforts us in our afflictions but he uses our afflictions to grow us. And I want you to hear that as we turn to God's word. Friends, we will experience afflictions. One certainty we have in life is you will experience afflictions. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Our bodies will grow older. We will experience physical affliction. We may, even as a church at a time, experience great persecution affliction but God's word will never fade. We may fade, but God's word will stand forever. Let's turn our hearts to that word as we seek to learn and grow from the Lord, the God of all comfort. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, our lives belong to you, and this is your word. So we ask that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you'd comfort us, comfort us in the face of our affliction, and prepare us in afflictions to come. Strengthen us by your spirit to live lives of service for your kingdom and to comfort those around us with who you are. For we pray that you'd bless us now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I first met Vern Trueblood, he was in his twilight years and he was suffering from Parkinson's disease. He'd been suffering for at least over a decade. And Vern, which name probably doesn't make much sense to you, you probably don't know that name, but where I was from in St. Louis, Vern was very well known. He was the founding pastor of a very large, very affluent church named Kirk of the Hills Presbyterian Church, which is well known in our denomination. Uh, Vern, however, himself was long since retired and, as I mentioned, was afflicted with Parkinson's. His body pressed in so badly that he was immobile. He couldn't move. Uh, He was confined either to his bed or to a very specially designed wheelchair that was made to give him comfort, but he found very little comfort in it. Vern's body was so twisted and pressed that it was very hard for him to move. But the greatest affliction for Vern was not his physical affliction. Every time I'd go to visit with Vern to learn from him, he would ask me the question Jake, why am I still here? Believing that his greatest ministry was in the past at Kirk of the Hills, Vern found very little comfort in his situation. And his question, the affliction of his mind, was, why am I here? Why does God have me here? Why am I enduring such affliction? It's a question we can all ask. A question we can all ask when we're in the midst of affliction. Now, we don't often use that word affliction in our speech, in our normal conversations. Uh, When my wife asked me how the day went, I normally don't say, I was afflicted today. (laughs) But I do use a word, and you all use a word, that that word affliction is ultimately from when Paul talks about it. When Paul uses that word affliction, he's using a word that we get the word pressure. It means to press, to be pressed in like a a grape in a wine press. We use that word a lot when we talk about pressure. My job, there's so much pressure. Getting my kids out the door to come to worship, there's so much pressure. I feel pressure in the events that lie ahead, weddings that are coming. That pressure is where we we ultimately get the word affliction. And as we're talking about affliction, Paul knows about affliction. He knows about pressure, and he knows this church knows about pressure. Paul was writing in a time and season when he had experienced great hardship and great pressure, far greater than we have ever experienced. Uh, Paul's pressure that he experienced was that of deep and profound persecution. And the Corinthian church knew that persecution It knew great pressure as well, not just in the persecution that was coming from outside, but the pressures that they experienced internally that he had to write his first letter to address. But as I mentioned last week, if we were to go back and and we were to read through Acts 18, we would find out some of the intense pressure this church was under. Paul traveled from Athens to Corinth, you may remember that, and And Paul was preaching the gospel in a synagogue where Jews and Gentile followers, uh, they weren't followers of Jesus yet, but they were followers of the Torah, the scriptures, were gathered together on a week to week to worship, to discuss the things that were happening in their city. Paul would go to those synagogues on his missionary journey. He would preach the gospel. He would reason with them, which would mean sometimes heavy debate. Arguing that Jesus was the Christ, he was the Messiah that came into the world to save sinners. And as they were debating this, the intensity of their discussions got so great that the Jews decided, the Jews of the synagogue in in Corinth decided they didn't want to listen to Paul anymore. And we're told in Acts 18 that there was a pressure, an affliction that started in which Paul was reviled and blasphemed. Those words mean to go to battle against. The Jews decided they were going to battle against Paul and they were blaspheming him. They were slandering him. It wasn't about his message anymore. It was about him. They were done with him. They were trying to cast Paul out. In the midst of that story, Sosthenes who became a follower of Christ, was an elder in that synagogue. And he was dragged out from his home into a court, a civil court, and beaten because of his faith in Christ. Unjust. Imagine that. Imagine if the civil courts, the pressure was so intense that one of our elders was dragged out of our church and beaten what that pressure would be like, the afflictions for that church. Paul, it was so bad, it appears that he looked like he was getting ready to leave because the Lord actually has to comfort Paul in that passage. In a vision, the Lord meets Paul and he says, to continue doing what he's doing in Corinth because there are many who belong to me, the Lord, he says. But he also says one other thing. He says, for I am with you. Paul, I am with you. It is the great comfort of the Lord to know that he is with us in the midst of our afflictions that comforted Paul enough to stay. And it's God's great comfort that he is with his people are what we have to endure the afflictions and the pressures that we endure today. Paul wants the Corinthians to know that. And he begins by pointing and directing in this letter to the praise of God, that God is the source of all comfort. That's how we begin in verse 3. Look with me in verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now some of you I know did not have great relationships with your father. But I remember growing up being a little child and going into the playground and having what we would call dad brags uh, in 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 the playground. We would start telling how great our dads were. I remember there would be things like, well, my dad can lift 500 pounds. My dad's wrestled a bear. (laughs) My dad sleeps with one eye open. For me, it was always my dad played for the Miami Hurricanes. Back when their team was worth bragging about, perhaps. Now, he only played for about two weeks before the pressure, the infliction decided it was too much for him. But that was my dad brag. Paul is doing in a sense a father dad brag here. Blessed be. Praise God. Bless him. Why? Because he's the God of all comfort. He's the father of all mercy. You know, notice in the text, he says father, but he says father twice. He repeats. He wants us to know that God wants to be known as a father who cares for his children, a good father. A compassionate father. That's what that word means, father of mercies. That he's known by his compassion, not by the afflictions we endure. But God is known by his mercy, his compassion. All comfort. And while the intensity in the Corinthian church and in Paul's life, it was intense, it was far greater than we'll ever experience by God's grace, the afflictions that Paul endured, the persecution he endured, Notice that it says in verse 4 that it's all affliction so that we may comfort in any affliction. Paul's not excluding the afflictions and the burdens that we go with, the pressure that we go on, even though he's directing this towards a much larger affliction that the church endures. And by God's grace, we, we may have to trust in him one day in persecution here. But God is the God of all comfort. He's the compassionate father. As Paul brags about this, as he praises God, Paul can confidently say that he's a God of comfort because he knows what comfort is. Comfort isn't the removal of the affliction. Comfort is the experience of God in with us providing for us, present with us. Paul knew this time and time again, that even his afflictions were not the afflictions he brought in himself, but the afflictions that he endured for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ. He endured them because God was with him. He knew God's certain favor, that his fatherly love was upon him, that nothing could separate him from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God is the source of all of our comfort. And when we're feeling the afflictions, the pressures, whether it's individually or whether it's as a church body, the pressure that's happening without a senior pastor, without a congregational pastor, we turn to the Lord to know that he has us where he wants us, that he loves us and that he's faithful. He's faithful to endure to the very end. There is no affliction in all of the great struggles and pressures that we endure, that the God of all comfort does not meet us in. And that he will not redeem for his own end. We look to that God as the source of all comfort. And we look to the God not just as the source of comfort, but we look to him for purpose in that comfort. Paul wants the Corinthians to understand this He wants them to know that that their experience of comfort from God is for a purpose. It has an end that's outside of ourselves. Paul's comfort was not just for him in Athens, or excuse me, in Corinth, that's where he left Athens. It wasn't for just himself. It was to the end of comforting others, of bringing others into the faith, of proclaiming Jesus The purpose of our comfort, God gives us comfort that we would humble ourselves in our afflictions, that we would be strengthened in our needs by God, and so that we would comfort others. This means we need to be involved in each other's lives. That God is forming a community together to comfort one another as we direct one another to the Lord. I remember uh, many years ago when I was uh, part of a ministry that had a lot of responsibilities, a lot of of needs, Uh, my mentor who had advocated, he had comforted me uh, by, by encouraging me to take this position in this ministry of leadership. It was very stressful, it was a very high pressure ministry. And I would go to him, we'd have lunch, and we would sit and I would just unload on him all the pressures that had built up, all of the challenges, and he would sit there just eating soup, just just listening, present with me. And by the end, even though he would say very little, I knew that he cared for me, I knew that he was with me in it. He didn't have the right words or the right saying or some formula, but he was present in my pressure, in my affliction. And he would say at the end, you know, Jake, God has you there for a reason. He's faithful. He's a good father. Look for his presence in your afflictions. We're called to do the same with one another. To be present in such a way that we're drawing people to a God who is faithful. A God who would give his own son for us. Because that's what Paul's going to continue to say in verse 5. If you look with me, he says that the purpose of our our afflictions, it it draws us uh, into this understanding of who God is. And we understand this about him in verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. The sufferings of Christ they're the afflictions that we endure for the sake of Christ. It's the sake of, of enduring suffering, of, of looking beyond my own desires for the sake of Jesus. It means I'm humbled enough to know that, that any affliction that comes against me, any hurt that I've endured, I don't have the moral superiority first of all, to be able to say, and look how great I am. But I've sinned, I've caused my Savior to suffer for me. And I share in his sufferings. For some of you, that will often mean having to overlook pain and hurt in your life to love someone with the love of Christ. It means taking time out of your day to be with somebody who is hurting Those are not wasted sufferings. They're the intended sufferings of God using his people to comfort one another because he has comforted us. God is a God of comfort who designed our comfort to comfort others. And just as he's given us purpose in our comfort He actually encourages us to understand that we must endure in that comfort. As I mentioned, we will all be afflicted and we often look for quick results, ways that we can get out of our afflictions. We look for life lessons. What did God teach me in this? Sometimes he does have something to teach us. But I would encourage you to know that God is growing you through those afflictions. He's growing you to be more and more directing all of your afflictions towards him, dependent upon him, resting in him, looking to him, building a relationship that's formed by him in our afflictions. Some might feel that they're consumed by their situations. They might feel... How can God use me? Well, it's not from running from our, in, our afflictions. It's by continually going back to Jesus. It's by continually understanding the context of his sovereign fatherly hand upon us. Look with me in verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. There's a partnership happening in this. Between Paul and the Corinthian church, we're enduring together. And he says in verse seven, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. God uses suffering To prune us. Like a master gardener who takes care of of his garden. You know, my dad had a green thumb. This is a dad brag. My dad had a green thumb. He could grow anything. Many of you in this congregation are master gardeners. You can grow anything. I I sadly cannot. (laughs) Anything I plant dies. And it's not because of the soil, and it's not because of the seed or the water or the sun, it's because of me. (laughs) I'm the problem. I'm not patient enough to care for a plant in order for it to grow. But God is the master gardener. And when we endure afflictions, it's God's hand at work growing his people. He's patient with us. He wants us to rest in him. And he's growing us through the endurance of our afflictions. Paul tells us that our hope is unshaken. The hope for this church is unshaken, not because the growth rests on the hands of those who are being afflicted, but because the growth ultimately resides it relies on the hand of God who's faithful. Our hope is dependent upon the goodness and the faithfulness and the provision of God. So we endure we return back again and again to the God of all comfort. I had a good friend of mine in seminary who was a uh, computer programmer. And he went through a series of, of losses of jobs. He, he had a job and then contract work and then again. And he had this little family of about four children that were very small. And every time he lost a job, we would talk and we would meet. And I was trying to comfort him. And he would say again and again, my life is done, <laughs> I've got no hope. How, how can I, I, I provide for my family when I can't keep this job? So much so that he was holding a box of cereal as we were talking and he said, this is the last box of cereal I will be able to buy for my children. And again and again, as we talked, did you, did you see God's faithfulness in the last job? Well, yes. Is God gonna be faithful again? Yes. Yes. You know, he ripped the box top of that cereal off. He said, I'm going to hold on to this. This is a reminder that God will provide in the midst of his affliction. God is there. He cares for me. He's walking with me. God is walking with you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son into the world to die for your sins. He bore affliction on his own son so that you would know that his righteousness has been given to you, that you are his adopted children, that nothing will change that because Christ gave himself for you. And you can look to Christ in the moments of our greatest afflictions and endure because he bore your sin and your sorrows. Nothing can take you out of his hand. God comforts his people. Let me return back to Vern. As I mentioned, his life felt like it was over, meaningless, and many observing would agree. Why would would God keep him here? But one of the things I would notice, even though he would ask me that question, that question, why am I here? He would ask other questions too. Every time I would go in to meet with Vern, he would ask me, how can I pray for you? And as I watched nurse and nurse and staff worker, uh, social workers, doctors come in, every time they would come in, he would say, how can I pray for you? And he would reach out his hand, which was shaking like this. And he would say, can I have your hand? And he would grip it. He would hold fast onto that person and he would pray the most beautiful prayer that they would receive comfort from a God of all comfort. Well, the Lord took Vern home. And I was at his funeral And in that service, nurse after nurse, after social worker, after doctor, came forward to testify, to say to the world around that Vern not only led them to the Lord, but gave them the comfort that they knew could only come from God. That's what God does in the midst of our affliction. Don't ever believe we as individuals or as a church are outside of the comfort of God. The afflictions are too great for him. The God of all comfort comforts his people. And this morning we look to him as we do every other Sunday and every other moment moving forward. The afflictions that the Lord has placed us in, he intends to comfort because he loves us because we belong to him. Let's pray. Father of all mercy and God of all comfort, we thank you for the love that you've shown us through your son, the Lord Jesus, who bore our sins, who died the death we deserve, who was raised from the dead, Lord, in whom we share in the comfort of knowing the resurrection. Oh Lord, we thank you for meeting us in our greatest and deepest needs, in the deepest afflictions of our lives. Would you help us to know more of your comfort? And would you build us up for the sake of your kingdom, for the honor of your glory, and for the good of your people here? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.